0: From the International Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. Delighted to have you along with us today, and we look forward to every day getting together here, opening the Bible, spending some time looking at things that will help us in our walk with the Lord. And if you are somebody who has not yet decided, now deep in your heart, that you're going to follow the Lord and serve the Lord and be the Christian that you ought to be, I hope that today you'll just determine to get on your face before God and make that choice today. And if you're not saved, if you have not made that initial decision to receive the Savior, listen, this is the time to do it. Jesus died on the cross, arose from the grave, made it possible for people like me and you to be forgiven, to be admitted to the family of God, and to go to heaven when we die. So, I hope today that you'll make the choice that you need to make. Put your faith, your trust in the crucified and risen Christ and he will save you. Call upon him, tell him what you need, what you want and he will respond. All this week, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and uh, it is the most famous sermon that Jesus preached and uh, sometimes people look at it and they say well it's uh, you know just kind of a soft touch and so forth but listen dear friends when people say that i think they really have just not examined it very carefully because it is a very very solid and very strong presentation that every single Christian needs. We looked Monday at the matter of the best of the blessings, the Beatitudes, those nine blessed statements that the Lord made that help us to get the blessing that God wants to give. On Tuesday... We looked at the matter of when the tough times come. How do Christians deal with persecution? Not because they're bad, but because they're doing good things. Sometimes Christians get pushed and hurt. And then yesterday, we looked at the matter of making our presence felt. Jesus said we're salt and we're light, and we ought to be salt and use the light that he's given to us. And so today, we come now to look at verses 17 through 20. And I read those for you now. Verse 17, Matthew chapter 5 Jesus said, "'Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets.'" Talking about the Old Testament. "'I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven.'" But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Jews had long lived under the law. They had lived with the law for many hundreds of years. They knew about the law. They knew about the Old Testament prophets, but a lot of that had been distorted It had been twisted out of shape, and there were just a lot of things about the law and the things that were given in the Old Testament by the prophets. All of that was not really in line with many of the people like it needed to be. I mean, it was still there. God's written word was really what it had always been. But people distort things. And uh, that being the case, we come now to consider the fact that with Jesus coming, it has already been made clear to us. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus. And so when Jesus comes preaching grace, they are in a quandary. I'm talking about the Jewish people in that part of the world where Jesus was working. They were in a quandary. Now, when you and I look at the law Let's just remember what we're talking about. Exodus chapter number 20 lays out very clearly what we sometimes just call the 10 words. They are 10 statements of God's moral law and perspective, and it just starts like this. The first one says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second one, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the water below the earth, so forth. That means no idols, no idolatry. Verse number seven then gives us the third one, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we need to be careful about how we use the Lord's name. Verse number eight says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God has a day reserved for himself, has, always has, and will continue to do so. Those four commandments are in relation to God, how we relate to him. When we get to commandment number five, it begins a man-to-man relationship. Kind of thing where we are considering how we relate to other people. Verse number 12 says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Verse number 13, Thou shalt not kill. Verse 14, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 15, Thou shalt not steal. Verse 16, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And verse number 17 says, Thou shalt not covet. Now those are just brief statements. There's more comment there in the 20th chapter of Exodus about it, but I refer you to those 10 statements, those 10 words, we call them as well, the 10 commandments, and they are God's moral law clearly stated. When we talk about the prophets, we're talking about the messengers that God sent with his wisdom and with his warnings. And so Jesus said, I'm not come to destroy the law. I'm not come to destroy the prophets. Now, Jesus' intent about the law is very clear here. In no way does he intend to set aside these eternal principles that God has given. But instead, he said, I'm just simply going to fulfill them. I'm going to fill them full and he'll tell us more about what they mean as we look further in this chapter. This just simply reminds us that God's word is eternal. When God says, thou shalt not steal, that principle is always in place whether it's 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or 5,000 years ago. That is God's eternal principle, and it is his unchanging word. And so whether in the Old Testament era or in the New Testament era, whether the era under the law or the era under grace, we still remember Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. All of those things are still in place, and they are God's true and eternal word. Now, verse 19, Jesus said that those who would break these commandments, even what he says, are the least of them, and should teach men so, is going to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what he's looking at here, there are some people, they are going to heaven, but they get this all fouled up. And he makes that clear. I mean, just read the words. It's right there. But I think what he's telling us here is Christians must not break the law. Sometimes Christians think, I'm under grace. I can go out and do anything I want to. Well, not exactly see we need to want to do what god wants us to do and when we do not want to do what god wants us to do then we're falling into carnality we're falling into disobedience and that is just not the way we should go so we're not to break the law of god and then we learn also from this passage the second part of verse 19 tells us that christians must not lead others to violate god's word That's another big problem. Sometimes when people are violating God's Word, they just can't be pacified to do it by themselves. It's like, well, I'm going to talk my buddies into this. I'm going to see who else I can get to go along with me. And it's kind of like misery loves company. You understand? Whenever you're doing wrong, it's very easy to say, well, let's get somebody else to go along with it. And Jesus said here, you just don't do that. You just do not go out and teach others to violate the law of God and do the things that ought not to be done. When we get to the last part of verse 19, Jesus also indicates that our rewards will be impacted by how we handle this. I'm talking about our rewards in heaven. And so he says, if you do the right things and teach others the same way, the same should be called great. the kingdom of heaven so yes there are rewards for doing things god's way now let's look at verse 20 here because this verse is so crucial and so key to understanding all of this and uh, really i just want you to think today about the fact that what we have in our own way in our own righteousness is not enough and jesus makes that very clear here when he says that except your righteousness shall exceed what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing, and they were a very religious crowd, but Jesus said, unless you do more than that, unless you have something more than that, you're not going to, in any case, enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, dear friends, doing as others do is not enough. They may be religious, but they may also be very, very lost, They may be doing religious things, but it may not be the things that they ought to be doing. They may be doing it for the wrong reason. They may not be doing it from the heart. They may be simply going through religious ritual, and as they go through the ritual, they are, in fact, putting themselves in a position where they just simply are not getting what they need to have. They're not getting the job done. And when you and I follow the wrong people, whenever we track after those that are on the wrong track, then we are not going to be where we need to be. And that's why Jesus said that our righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of other human beings, even religious ones. What is he trying to tell us here? Well, the fact is, you and I need a righteousness that is greater than anything we can produce. You say, how do we get that? Well, we have to look to him who is the very epitome of righteousness, and that is, of course, the Lord Jesus. And what happens whenever you and I come to Christ and we put our trust in him, all at once, not only are our sins forgiven, but his righteousness is credited to our account. You remember the passages in the Bible, and there's a couple of them, where that it said about Abraham that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness? I mean, before he did a single thing, he had put his trust in the Lord, and immediately he had righteousness credited to his account. Well, whose righteousness was it? Well, it certainly was not his. And when you and I come to Christ, we too get ourselves set at right with God, The Bible uses the term justified to express that as well. Whenever we put our trust in Christ, even though we're sinners, we are declared to be just. Even when we're not totally just, and maybe a long way from being just, nonetheless, the Lord declares us to be just. It's just like if a criminal stood before a judge for sentencing in a courtroom, and the judge looked at him, and even though the guy was guilty, and the judge knew he was guilty, and maybe even had confessed that he was guilty, but the judge would say to him, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to declare you to be innocent and set you free. That's exactly what the Lord does for us whenever we come to him, and he accords his righteousness, that is, he atones for us, And gives that to us, and as that provision is placed to our account, you and I are put in a very, very strong position. And that's why Jesus says in this passage the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is just not enough. And, dear friend, there may be some of you who are counting on your membership in a church somewhere. And by the way, I think everybody ought to be a church member. I think we all ought to be active in a local church. But if you're counting on being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic or whatever, if you're counting on the fact that you're a church member... I believe you need to look closely at what Jesus is saying here, and it's just going to mean your church membership will not get you to heaven. And in like fashion, some of you may be depending upon the fact that you went through a ceremony. Maybe you take communion on a regular basis, or maybe you got baptized and you think somehow that's going to get you to heaven. Dear friend, that is not the ticket. And what Jesus says here is you need a righteousness that is not your own. You need something greater than what you have, and when you come to Christ, you will get the righteousness you need credited to your account, and when God sees you, he will see the righteousness of Christ. And that, dear friend, is such a precious thing, and it's something that's available to every single one of us. The Lord Jesus said, "'He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out.'" God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I hope that you see that need. And if you've not trusted him, do it today. And if I can help you in any way to get this settled, do get in touch. In fact, I look forward to hearing from you. I hope that many of you will check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com. A lot of good things there for you to look at. And at the same time, We want to hear from you. So write me a note, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. I look forward to being back with you again tomorrow, and I hope you'll join me then. Until that time, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.